from South Bend, Indiana, in the shadows of the Golden Dome, Spoke Street Media and Redeemer Radio Sports bring you Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You already share their values, why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's time to get you caught up on all things Irish. Here's John Brock and Angelo DiCarlo. Back to Notre Dame entering a fall Saturday, coming off a loss no one expected today. The Irish limp back into Notre Dame Stadium, where they've been miserable this season after playing horribly a week ago, losing 16-14 to Stanford squad that was just 1-4 with a horrific defense that, thanks to the exploits of Notre Dame, looked like the Stanford D of six or seven years ago. And that atmosphere at the stadium today with the Irish 3-3 three and, three and facing UNLV, well, I can't imagine it being too thrilling. Oh, and the game is on Peacock instead of NBC, so let's just add that to the pain that has become the 2022 Notre Dame football season. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo, so glad to be with you this morning, joined by John Brock. John, I opened last week's show by asking if uh, the Stanford game was a trap game, and clearly it was. Now, I didn't think they'd actually lose the game. I still predicted them to win by 14, but... Boy, was it ugly, and uh, which I thought it was going to be. And instead, the offense somehow only scored 14 points total, and the Irish stunned against a team that had lost 11 straight games to Power 5 squads. Yeah, I, I didn't think they'd lose either. I don't know if anyone really was predicting that one. But, you know, going into it, you're thinking, you know, they already had that at-home surprise loss against Marshall, and you really shouldn't need more than one of those uh, surprise upsets in a season, especially – when you have a team like this, that they've shown that they have the ability to win good games. They've beaten a good BYU team. They've beaten a good ranked now North Carolina team. It's not like Notre Dame doesn't have the ability and doesn't have uh, the skill set to, to win these games. There's just something that is not clicking for this team. We do have our featured interview today with men's basketball coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, Mike Bray. He reflects on uh, now being at Notre Dame for 23 years and his outlook on this year's squad and how he's evolved as a coach as, as college basketball and college athletics have evolved over the last two decades quite a bit. A great conversation with him next segment. And we'll let you know what to make of this UNLV team today. That's, of course, important because we never know uh, what's going to be a battle for this fighting Irish football team. And we'll discuss what's going on with that Notre Dame offense. And we'll hear from Marcus Freeman on whether the team overlooked Stanford, which is a big question this week. Also, some very interesting quotes from Marcus Freeman about his first year as head coach and feeling a loss of confidence earlier in this season when the team was struggling. But let's start with our poll question, <laughs> which has become uh, our confidence poll. Yeah. We've asked it, it every game this season. And uh, how many wins do you think Notre Dame's going to end up with this football season? And that really uh, has been a bit of a roller coaster of a question so far this year. Yeah, it really has. And it's funny how much it's changed. Obviously, it's been its worst after the Marshall game and, and this week. But let's just put it in perspective. Last week, last week, 51% of our votes said Notre Dame would win nine or 10 games. It was that high. You know, you trace that back after the Marshall game, and 80% of people thought they'd win no more than eight games. And obviously, there was more possibilities back then, right? They hadn't lost a third game. So let's update the numbers in real time for you right now. And we've got... 77% say seven wins or less. Uh, but think about it. To get to eight wins now, it's you tough. would have to beat Syracuse and either Clemson or USC. Yeah, and so, that's tough. So now you're you're crunching the numbers, and it becomes real difficult. You're going to have to beat two ranked teams. You have to win five of your last six just to get to eight, eight wins, and you'd have to beat two ranked teams when – you're not showing – I mean, the only positive you could say is they play their best against better teams. Yeah. But that, that's about it. So I totally, totally understand where, where people are in that regard. Six wins or less has 34% of the vote, which, again, if they lose to Syracuse, USC, and Clemson, that's six wins. Well, well, here's the thing. I'm looking at it, and yeah, it, it's made even tougher by the fact that Syracuse has been playing so well this season, adding another – 
quality ranked opponent that Notre Dame has to play. But on top of that, I'm looking at it like, yeah, they probably can beat maybe Syracuse or, or USC or possibly Clemson because they play well against good opponents. I'm almost more worried about the Boston Colleges left on the schedule because that's who Notre Dame's losing to this year. It's not necessarily they're playing. I mean, they were playing great leading at halftime against number two ranked Ohio State. They were playing great against ranked now North Carolina. They're playing great against great teams. They're just not playing well against the bad teams. And that's why I think they really, uh, you look at it and you say seven or less is likely because you just don't know which game on the schedule remaining is going to be a tough game for the Irish. Yeah, yeah. I, you, you'd like to say it's the wake-up call now, but you, you would have thought that they wouldn't have the letdown against Stanford. But that's why I thought Stanford was was the trap game because they were feeling good about themselves. It's almost like we had fixed the problem, yeah. right? And obviously... Uh, they haven't. Irish Sports Saturdays thanks Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for underwriting the show. As the largest Catholic-oriented credit union in America, Notre Dame FCU serves the church in many dioceses. For 80-plus years, they put people over profits. NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. URA share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Okay, uh, this is the first time Notre Dame and UNLV will ever have met. L- some injury updates for you. Cornerback Tariq Bracey expected back today after missing last week. Cornerback Jaden Mickey, questionable. So, But if you can get Bracey instead of the freshman, I think you're going to make that trade. Defensive lineman Jason Adamiola, game-time decision with a rib contusion. My hunch is he's not going to play, or if he does, he'll be limited. Marcus Freeman was just worried about how much, how winded he was going to get with that rib, which is kind of very understandable. Tight end Eli Raritan out for the season tour, the same ACL he tore last year in high school. Brutal loss for the freshman. Not so much, I mean, it's bad for this year because you lose depth, but more so the future. This guy's supposed to be, I don't want to say the next Michael Mayer, but he is on that level of perception from the from from everybody out there. And two ACLs in the same knee, John. That's awful. Yeah, you're looking down the line. Notre Dame, tight end university. You've got tight end after tight end after tight end coming out of Notre Dame. Michael Mayer, you know, being the the best so far, breaking all these records, but, you know, you never know it's going to come after. We thought some of the other ones had been the best. You got, I mean, yeah, Cole Komet was back in town this past weekend for the Stanford game, another one of the great tight ends to, to come out of Notre Dame. And that's what that's how they viewed Eli coming into this program and and to have him set back and it's not as you said not this season but those are reps and practice that he's not going to be able to get back and he's going to have to work back from and it's going to set him back a, a lot. Okay, uh, now <laughs> the injury updates on the UNLV side are are significant too. I like to point out this is a team that started the year four and one. So, but their quarterback. Got a concussion two weeks ago. They've been blown out now, forty to seven to San Jose State, and then Air Force forty-two to seven. Uh, Doug Brumfield is his name in concussion protocol. Did not play. Did not practice Tuesday, Wednesday. We have not received an update whether or not he practiced on Thursday. Um, I'm assuming the media is just not able to get in those last few days of practice, so it's unclear whether or not he'll play. He's a lefty. And that makes a difference if he is able to show up. Here's the problem. I think right now you're assuming he's not playing. All of a sudden, if he shows up, you're preparing a for a lefty yeah. and a righty. And you're assuming the righty is going to play. Now, if the lefty shows up and he's the better one, you got to prepare for both. And it can kind of change things up. You're a former quarterback. You know there, there there's a difference if you're preparing versus lefty versus a righty. Yeah, there is. I mean, it's going to be basically a completely different offense. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but which side the quarterback's rolling out to, where the reads are. Uh, you're really looking at adjusting to to different formations altogether when they, especially not only is it a different uh, handed quarterback, but it's a different style quarterback and it's a different quarterback who knows different plays and formations for this team. So you're basically preparing for almost two separate offenses. All right. Um, all right. Let's figure out what to make of this team right now. And we got a lot to cover here. And I, I'll, I'll put an example from this morning in, in perspective for you. Uh, I am getting ready to come over to the station, and I find out from downstairs that my 20-month-old has spilled flour all over the kitchen. So here is things are going. You know, the morning doesn't start off well. She woke up earlier than expected. You, you don't expect. You start off not off the right foot. 
Then all of a sudden you get the morning going and everything's going okay. And then out of nowhere, boom, flour all over the place, spilled all over the place. And it's a disaster and you don't know where to start and how to clean it up. And that is the Notre Dame football season wrapped up right there. Because you start off with that loss to Ohio State and Marshall and you're like, what in the world is going on? You get things going, you're feeling good, and then the flower spills all over the place and you lose to Stanford. I mean, that's what it kind of feels like. And so I think... Uh, no, I'd take it farther for your morning. The flower is Marshall. Then you get to work on time and the tower's not working. <laughs> that's Stanford because, I mean, really, it's been a little bit more of an up and down because Notre Dame did get... They, they started off rough two losses, then they recovered, and people thought that they might be able to, to get back in the rankings, work their way back up. But then you you go and lose to a 1-4 and four Stanford, and it's just... It's hard to read this team. All right, so, you know, Marcus Freeman had some interesting comments this week. Uh, he's refusing to throw players or coaches under the bus, which puts him in a weird position as he tries to dissect what's going on. Uh, he used the word execution and the failure to execute 25 times or so, uh, depending on uh, who's counting in his post-game press conference. And, you know, he, he was – maybe too honest it felt like in admitting his own personal growth as a first year coach and then kind of making some excuses in terms of he's not Brian Kelly and what we should expect growing pains when rebuilding the program let's listen in to Marcus Freeman from two different sound bites from Monday we did not play to our standard we know that we have a good football team you know I was a completely different person after Marshall at Marshall we lost Ohio State we lost Marshall and I'm like I don't know what's going on. I was really, whew, I was struggling. But, listen, you, you, the past three games, you know, the second half of Cal, North Carolina, BYU, we have a good football team that we have to get to perform consistently. We have to do it consistently. So the culture of this program is is we're going to have to embrace these tough times and, and these growing pains of getting this program to where we want it to be. I can't build on what's been done in the past. All right, it, this what, what Coach Kelly did here was tremendous, right? And what the wins and the success he had here. But I can't come in here and say, okay, I have to be Brian Kelly. I got to be Marcus Freeman. And it's different. It's different. So I got to build this thing um, with the current players that we have, right? The great players that we've recruited in the past. But you're still building your foundation from the ground up. And you have to go through some of these growing pains, man. And, and, you know, it's just a part of, of, of being, it's something new and we have to make it ours. We got to make it mine and, and um, anything worthwhile, I, I believe in my life's going to take, it's going to take some, some growing pains to get it to where you want it. All right, two things. One, I think it's a little alarming for Marcus Freeman to admit he lacked confidence after the, the Marshall loss and, you know... Wasn't Marcus Freeman hired because this was not supposed to be a rebuild? That he was going to take what Brian Kelly built and take it to a new level? So, eh, kind of coming up with a little excuse bug there because I don't know if we're we're really supposed to give him those this level of growing pains. I mean, the growing pains might be nine and three, eight and four, not the possibility, not losing to teams like Marshall. And Stanford. Yeah, I mean, the lack of confidence is concerning, but you it's, know, you expect him to have that maybe personally, but you don't expect him to say it true. in the interview. And that's the that's the thing where if he's not gonna to mention and and address any of the problems publicly uh, in these press conferences with his players or his coaches, he's got to find something to say. And so he's just, he's just putting turning it on to himself. everything he can talk about himself. But uh, yeah, I think you do expect this to be a little bit not of a rebuild year. But at the same time, you look at the team's roster and especially with Tyler Buckner getting injured. It's a little bit of a rebuild, no matter if it was Brian Kelly kept as the coach. Uh, and so you, a little bit of leeway there, a little bit of leeway because it is a new head coach. No matter what, you're going to have a little bit of a, a change up and, and a problem. But that you might be able to, to brush the, the Marshall loss under the rug with that one, but definitely not Stanford as well. All right. Uh, and, and a week ago in the show, we we're talking about whether or not we're de debating whether or not it was possible they made the wrong decision on who to start at the beginning of the year. And here's the thing, Drew Pine one week is really bad, the next week is really good, the next week's really good, and then 
the next week's pretty bad again, and it's been really hard to dissect. But the bottom line is this. How do you only score 14 points against Stanford, who were giving up 40 points a game against teams that are not named Colgate? I mean, to score only 14 points against that is unbelievable and inexcusable, John. And and I've heard it said a few times this week all over the place. It's Stanford came out and played their best game. They brought their defense yeah. with a perfect scheme to match up against what they'd seen from Drew Pine, and it it worked for them. But the problem is that that Tommy it shouldn't Reese, have been good enough that, that a perfect they, situation well, matters. Exactly. Well, Tommy, the problem is is that Tommy Reese and Drew Pine in that offense weren't able to get together and, and figure out what was going to work for the rest of that game, and and that's where the problem is that they weren't adjusting. They didn't really make any any right calls and that's concerning because you're facing better teams like Syracuse and, and Clemson and USC if you can't adjust you're going to be out of luck all right uh, with Drew Pine and the Irish offense being pretty much all over the place I asked Tommy Reese this week about consistency like efficiency and consistency yeah. is about two things that I probably high, hold as in high regard as anything and so um, that's what we're after every day. That's what we're attacking. You know, we got a lot of guys that are uh, working extremely hard to do their job, players and staff. And, you know, we just got to find a way to, to start faster. And I got to do a much better job of putting our guys in a position to have confidence going from the first play to the 70th play. And, um, you know, that starts with me. It starts with what I call. It gives them a chance to get into the game, feel the rhythm, you know, have some comfortability and moving forward. And, um, again, you know, put it on my shoulders to make sure that we put it, put our guys in the spot to go out there and execute. All right, there you go. You got Marcus Freeman saying it's me. You got Tommy Reese saying it's me. By the way, we didn't hear Al Golden, but Al Golden also said it's me. This is a top-down uh, effect. They're making sure they are not putting any of the blame on their players, but let's put some of the blame on the coaches because that's where you got to go in this situation. And, look, some of it is Drew Pine, I mean – Braden Lindsay couldn't have been more open. Yeah. I mean, uh, John, you would have made that throw, and that's not a, <laughs> that's not really a shot. John's a former high school quarterback, but I mean, you would have made that throw. I think uh, plenty of people with any football experience would have made yeah, that. Throw. I would not because I have a bad shoulder, <laughs> so I couldn't even have thrown it the the twenty yards or so that it needed to go. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, it, that he was wide open, and it's so weird because. It's accuracy was the hallmark of Pine yeah. the la- the previous three weeks, and all of a sudden it's gone. But they're also not putting him in p- position to succeed. As you made making the adjustments, you know you're you're at the goal line, you're in the inside the five on a fourth and two, and you go a jet sweep to Jaden Thomas. <laughs> and, I mean, what what do you what is that play call? And you're looking at uh, you you have your running back who's been working within those situations. Because, I mean, it's not that your other backs haven't been working. Tyree's been doing great. But in that situation, you've got a running back like Audric Estime, and you're not going to put him in and try and get your offensive well, line that's highly touted to into fair, the end zone? There's been situations where they've gone to Estime and, on fourth and one, and they got blown that up. That is true. But you know what that is a situation for, in my opinion? Play action. Yeah. Fake it to Estime. Yeah. And then someone's got it. That's why it's in the book. That's why, you, And that's why you can do a – you can even – start in shotgun I know it's fourth and two but you can have a read because it's not like Drew Pine can't move and then you bring uh, another backer or wide receiver around the outside I mean you make Stanford have to make a decision in that situation I try not to question actual play calling because there's so much that goes into it It is way above certain it's way above 99% of the people that are listening right now let alone me who never actually was (laughs) in those rooms as um, a football player uh, let alone a coach but there are some things that you're like, that doesn't seem right. Let me go. To, let me do a jet sweep with our slowest wide receiver. But with that said, we could be out all day on that part. Um, the final drive, they seem like they had no idea what they're doing. They get knocked out of bounds with t- over two minutes left. The clock's moving, and it looks like Pine has no idea the clock's going, and it, they blow 30 seconds off the clock. And that's something you need to pre- – and and even besides that, going into your final drive, you should know exactly – you practice a two-minute drill every week. You should know exactly what you're going into that with, and you should be prepared to execute the plays and the timing and get to the end zone, especially if you're Notre Dame playing against Stanford. All right. Uh, Irish have played their worst against their worst opponents. Did they fall victim to a trap game? I asked Marcus Freeman about that after the game Saturday. He didn't like this question. 
you mentioned earlier in the week about the rivalry and how big of a game this was. At the same time, you guys were heavily favored, playing really well. Is it possible your team overlooked this opponent? No, no, no. That's not why we lost. It wasn't a lack of overlooking anybody. It was a lack of, of preparation, a lack of execution. That's not overlooking an opponent. Um, I thought they practiced their tails off. And if you overlook an opponent, I don't think you're preparing the way you need to prepare. But we got to look and see what exactly did or we didn't do in practice that led to the lack of execution in the game. It's, they respect this rivalry. They understand you ask any one of them. They understand how important this game is and how important the preparation is. And so, as I told them, it wasn't a lack of effort in the game. It wasn't a lack of effort in preparation. But it's not correlating over to the results that you want. So you got to look at what you're doing and how you're doing it and figure out a better way to do it. John, we've dissected this quote about 50 times over the last week. I have no idea what he said there. Because he said lack of preparation. Then he said they played really prepared really hard and well. <sighs> I think they just overlooked the opponent. I think we should post the transcript of that one because it, you, <laughs> you just you read it and you're like, you know, the first thing he says pretty much is is it wasn't a lack of – a lack of preparation is what causes that. It was the lack of preparation. And then yeah. he goes to say two times that there was no lack of effort and preparation. And – you're wondering what exactly, because he's trying not to throw anyone under the bus. Yeah. And, and you understand that maybe from his perspective, but at, at some point you have to, to say something and not talk in circles. Or, or we're all, the, as the media and the fans, are kind of start to get kind of upset that your your lack of addressing problems there. And you're just throwing around execution, which I, I he did throw it around, what, once or twice in there, I think. Yeah. But it was more the preparation side. All right. What was the reaction from the Irish players after losing to Stanford? Here's Houston Griffith, Drew Pine, and J.D. Bertrand. We can't let teams come in here and dictate the game. Like, we got to be better on defense, better on offense, better on special teams. It's a team. Like, everybody knows it, and everybody knows we just got to improve and just be better as a whole unit. Losing and being in the locker room with all my best friends, knowing that, you know, I could have done better and I could have executed to help us win is something that, you know, really, really hits you hard. But I think, you know, coming into this week, there's going to be no one that will work harder than us. There's going to be no one that will watch more film than us. I'm going to do everything I possibly can um, to learn from this and, and get better, and our team will as well. And, uh, you know, that's just the brand of our culture. It's what's been taught to us is always just, you know, just keep fighting, keep going, and that's what we're going to do. I mean, it's just tough to start have three and three, and there's obviously details where we need to make sure that we clean up and just go forward from here and take UNLV as serious as possible because, I mean, every opponent's good at this point and every win counts. That that quote from J.D. Bertrand kills me there because every every opponent is good from here on out. I guess they weren't before, and maybe they overlooked them. Yeah, and... and <laughs> They may have been overlooking, as you've been saying, trap game all along, but it's definitely uh, that edict from from Freeman coming down to his coaches of taking the blame is bleeding over into the players, and it, that I think is at least one good thing to come yeah. out of it is that it, they're taking uh, they're taking accountability for the mistakes that are being made, and that's the first step in, in improving going forward. Uh, of, of course, it looks like Drew Pine may go the opposite direction, taking too much blame, and then whether or not that hurts his own confidence, you don't want that either. So I think they're trying to build him back up this week, actually, is kind of what Marcus Freeman said. They want to simplify things. We're going to talk about that coming up um, in our sprint to kick off about how the Irish can get off to a better start. And we'll also discuss um, why they're struggling at home. But when we return, my conversation with Notre Dame men's basketball coach Mike Bray on his 23 years at Notre Dame and the upcoming season. That's when Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays returns on Redeemer Radio and Iowa Catholic Radio. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The Golden Rule. When you schedule a financial checkup with Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our people will be helpful and honest and kind. They will look for ways to save you money. And when your checkup is complete, they will send $150 to Redeemer Radio. For more info, visit NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.
Irish Sports Saturdays is partially underwritten by Indiana Physical Therapy, serving Indiana's physical therapy needs since 1998 with 21 locations. Indiana Physical Therapy continues as an independent therapist-owned company with a heart towards patient-focused care. Indiana Physical Therapy, where people go to get better. All right, let's take a, talk about something a little bit more positive than Notre Dame football. That's Notre Dame basketball. Entering his 23rd season as a Notre Dame men's basketball coach is Mike Bray, and how the seasoned veteran of coaches at Notre Dame and in the ACC outside of that guy named Jim Beheim, 28 wins from 500 and at Notre Dame and 29 from 600 overall as a head coach. Great conversation about South Bend native Blake Wesley. Mike Bray also reflects on his time at Notre Dame, how, 20- he, how he has changed as a coach, how college basketball and college of athletics have changed, how Notre Dame is adjusting to NIL and the transfer portal and even provides a little advice for Marcus Freeman. Here's my conversation with Irish men's basketball coach, Mike Bray. 23rd season. 23rd. Doesn't that seem kind of crazy? It does, but it's really good to be with you again, my man. I've missed you. I have missed you, uh, but I know you're doing well, and, and uh, it is hard to believe, 23 years. I, I've been very, very lucky, Ange. That's six football coaches, by the way. Uh, <laughs> And if you're going to mark time like that, but um, excited about our group because it's a group that learned how to win and learned how to win in the NSA tournament and has great senior leadership. And uh, I just don't want to overcoach them. I want to turn them loose a little bit. You mentioned six football coaches. Muffet has left. Bobby Clark has left. Randy Waldrum left a few years back. You're, you're the seasoned veteran around here. What's that like? It has been interesting to see the change. And, you know, Marcus Freeman is 36, and we flew together to an event. And I'm like, oh, my God, I was at Delaware at 36. And and uh, certainly Niel and I are, are joined at the hip here, and it's been great watching her build things. But I guess I'm the old uh, I'm the old timer, and they, they, they sometimes they come and ask advice, and uh, I hope I can uh, help them. But I, I've been I've been really fortunate. You know, you think about it, Ange. I've only had two presidents. I've only had two ads. That usually doesn't happen. Um, but uh, it, it's been an honor to be here, and um, and I and I really feel I like the moment we had to regain some momentum as you do in sport uh and and uh and I thought we did last year and I'm kind of excited about where we could go how different are you as a coach now versus even five years ago 10 years certainly 20 years ago because you were obviously that young coach you were Marcus Freeman or Neil Ivey as the young coach and now you're a little older. So how different are you as a coach? Well, I learned to pace myself. You know, now I still jump up on dining hall tables and do whatever I need to do to get to get our students. And I'm going to go through, I think, 10 dorms next week to talk us up because they were so good. You know, I have a great staff. And I've learned, I think veteran coaches learn when you have Anthony Solomon, Tony Weish, and uh, Hamlet Tibbs, you can turn things loose on some guys and – pick your spots and 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 also when you have great leadership and captains like I do with Ryan Lashevsky and Goodwin they do a lot of the managing of our locker room and uh, it's neat to watch things haven't always been easy as you kind of alluded to earlier how critical was was last year in terms of having that success which you hadn't had in in a few years we needed an NSA tournament bid and and I needed an NSA tournament bid no question about it we all know what we sign up for in this profession and we had lost some momentum after those elite eights and um so to and you ride through it you know I've I've, when you're at a place and you're in coaching 40 some years you know you're going to get put on the mat and how do you ride through it and how do you rebuild and how do you you know rebrand and and I, I thought we did some things with our staff that I thought really helped us. And then our recruiting, I think we needed to make a statement in recruiting last November and with Starling, Lubin, and Campbell, that was a real good foreshadowing of some momentum. And then certainly our team picked it up. Blake Wesley obviously had an outstanding season and one and done, which I don't know if we would have ever imagined just a few years ago. Take us through his progression. You know, we all saw him here locally in South Bend and, Maybe as a ninth grader, 10th grader, you had no idea this guy was going to be in the NBA in just a few years. What was his progression like as you watched him as a high school kid to, to kind of now? It's a great story, really. Here he is, Riley High School. But remember, he was a product of the pandemic. 
I could not get him up here to visit or play pickup with our guys. And then after we signed him in November, I was not allowed to go to a Riley game. So I would watch the local news highlights on Friday and it would be clips of Blake Wesley and JR. And I'd go, wow, he, that's all I knew of him. Then we open up in June post pandemic and they come to summer school and after the first two practices in summer school before his freshman year, we all look at each other like, oh, my gosh, we got something here. I, I just think it was such he's got he's such a confident, mentally tough, believe in himself guy that. Uh, but yet what helped him was he was in with some old guys that helped him and helped bring him along and helped him to understand, especially Prentice Hub. Prentice Hub was an amazing big brother to him. But what a story, you know, to, to get us back in the tournament. He hits the shot against Kentucky, and it's almost prophetic then how he jumps out there. And we're proud of him. Uh, business says it was time to be a one and done. And I'm all about these guys managing their careers and what's best for them. I, I know you wish he was back, but yeah. but that has to be part of it, right? You you got to do you got to let these guys know what's best because that also helps your program in, in the long term as well. No question, it helps our recruiting, and and I think you know a JJ Starling and other guards guards that, that we will sign here next month uh, have been interested because of the job we did with Blake Wesley. Um, no, uh, I came in around February first, and he was on a roll and. And I know our coaching staff was like, yeah, Starling and Wesley next year. I said, gentlemen, he's gone. And they're like, well, well what are you talking about? I said, no, no, it, it, business is business. He's gone. And his family was great, and he understood it, and we got him with the right people and the right agent. And, you know, he's with the Spurs, and now he'll be in another dogfight to prove himself in the NBA. But I, I thought it was, it was such a neat story that, the, you know, the local guy – gets us over the hump. Your other local guide, J.R. Kinesny from St. Joe High, entering his sophomore year. What can we expect from him? How's he progressing? He's really coming on. I'm, I'm excited about him. You know, it's a little bit of an Abramitis kind of climb for him. It's not a Blake Wesley climb. He got 20, he, he gained 20 pounds, good strength with Tony Rolinski, needed that. And he's starting to get a bit, you know, feel for the game. But he's, he's bouncy, he's tough. He's not afraid. Had some injuries this summer that set him back. We sent him to Spain with a team, and he was the leading rebounder. And he's been the leading rebounder in some of our practices this year. He is trending up like a Tim Abr a young Tim Abramitis. Mike Bray, Notre Dame men's basketball coach of 23 years, joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Okay, no Blake this year, but you mentioned J.J. Starling coming in. A lot of talent around them, a lot of seniors coming back. I don't think you're you're catching anyone off guard this year in in terms of the, what you guys have coming back. This is there's some expectations now for this team this year. Well, we only got one AP vote the other day, so that maybe that's a good thing. We're still hiding a little bit, but no, there there are there and and you know what? When the expectations come from within with the players and the leadership, and it's realistic because they did learn how to win and learn how to win two games in the NSA tournament, then I say, yeah, there, there are. Um, but um, I, I, I love it. I mean, you look at our stretch where we start with Michigan State, Syracuse, Marquette, Georgia, Florida State, all before Christmas. I mean, we are going to be held accountable uh, quickly. Um, but, um, again, when you have five fifth-year guys that know how we play and kind of believe in how we do it, we got a chance. Good scheduling on that Syracuse game. Happens to be my 40th birthday. That was a job well done by you guys scheduling that. That's your 40th birthday. Bangheim will come give you a hug, I'm sure, at halftime. I think I have a better chance of you giving me the hug than him. I think you're right. <laughs> All right. Uh, ACC has kind of gotten a bad rap the last couple of years. And then uh, eh, by the end of the NCAA tournament, it looked pretty good. What's the state of the league right now? And obviously, you guys are now projected to finish sixth, I saw. And, you know, what's where do you feel the league is at and where you guys are at in this league finishing second a year ago? Well, we didn't get anything done in the, in the non-league schedule last year. We made our bed of disrespect. Now, the teams that got to the tournament went 14-5, and five, and, and so we, we delivered at the end. But the only power wins we had as a league uh, before the league were – Duke over Gonzaga and Kentucky, and us over Kentucky. Three. We were like five and 16 against other power fives. We have to 
flip that or at least be a little over 500 or we're going to be talking five teams again. Now, I do think we're going to rotate because it's all a cycle with leagues. I think we're going to rotate back to seven or eight teams in the NCAA tournament. I firmly believe that our league is old. We're old. Virginia's old. Virginia Tech's old. North Carolina's old. Florida State's old. Miami's old. I mean, we have an old league, and I, I think we're due to get our bids back towards seven or eight. Mike, I, I asked you earlier how you've changed as a coach. Certainly college basketball has changed a lot. College sports has changed a lot with NIL. How have that changed the way you guys operate as a basketball program? Well, I think the big thing is we've adjusted. And, you know, there was a lot of complaining about NIL. I was on – I was the president of our coach association, and, you know, we would sit there as a board and uh, the transfer portal, and we can't have guys eligible right away. Well, you know, here's what it is. Now manage it. And I've been really – proud of how Notre Dame has been aggressive with NIL. We're not beating our chest, maybe like Texas A&M and some other people saying, we're raising money for this, but we are in the game to be competitive. The transfer situation, you know, it, now you're managing your roster more and more every year with uh, kids not having to sit out a year. Um, I've looked at it as a benefit for us, you know, Paul Atkinson came and was eligible right away. And Marcus Hammond from Niagara came and is eligible right away. Um, but it's it's roster management 12 months a year. That transfer part does make it difficult in Notre Dame because usually it's got to be that grad transfer. It's not as easy as some other schools. of, of the. And how have you guys worked with admissions and the athletic department to try to, I don't want to say loosen, but try to figure those things out? I think one of the things that's going on right now, and I and again I give our admissions and our provost and 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 everyone credit is how are we uh, able to work with undergraduate transfers a little better? I think that's all being discussed as far as number of credits that will transfer in, and I think you know we'll come to a good conclusion there. You're right though. Right now. I've liked the grad transfer for us and coming in like a Marcus Hammond has come in and he's getting a master's. Paul Atkinson came in with a Yale undergrad and got a master's. Uh, but I do think there's going to be a way of working out the undergraduate transfer situation uh, a little bit better as far as credits that will move. 472 wins for you at Notre Dame, 571 overall. Would you like to hit those 500 and 600 milestones uh, this year? I would. I would. I'd be a lot of wins, man, to get to to hit those two. But, uh, you know, I look at it. I've I just been really fortunate, man. I, how about this, Anj? I have 65 guys in 22 years that have come through and played four years for me. That's a lot of sons out there. And they're all checking in on all phases of life. They come back to visit. It, it's what it's all about. A number of great assistants that have come through here. Um, but it's a great fit, and I like our momentum. I like our group. I'm excited about who we will sign next month, and the beat goes on, man. Does this team have the potential to have one of those special seasons that you've had in the past? Yes, uh, it really does, and, and I think it does because they believe they can. And when you look at a Cormac Ryan, Dane Goodwin, Nate Lashevsky setting the tone every day, um, we got a chance because they really want it bad. I just want to keep them loose and smiling and enjoying the journey. This is a football show, so I'll give you one Marcus Freeman question. You mentioned him earlier. What advice do you give a young coach who the season has not started the way, obviously, he imagined? No one won the offseason better than Marcus Freeman, and now he's dealing with uh, the, the difficulties of not being able to win right away. Another. Well, you know, I talked to him when we traveled together this summer and, and you know, been there, done that. I've seen that. And I told him, man, and, and I love him, and I love his personality. And the number one thing I love is how his players really believe and are connected to him. And, you know, just he'll never lose that. And it, there's a learning curve. I, when My first year at Delaware, what I was lucky is when the mistakes I made, and I still make them, don't get me wrong, Anj, but the mistakes I made as a rookie head coach was in front of 800 people at the University of Delaware. Marcus doesn't have that luxury, you know. And uh, But there's a poise and a positivity and a – I I'd want my son to play for him. I want my son to play for Marcus Freeman. If he was playing for him, I, I just think he's that kind of man and uh, just keep fighting and scratching. Finally, um, off the beat question a little bit. Outside of 
you know, the basketball office and Purcell Pavilion. What's Mike Bray's favorite spots on campus? My favorite spots on campus, you know, I mean, I, I, I do love walking through the grotto and thinking about my parents and lighting a candle or Coach Wooten and lighting a candle, no question about it. And I've been known in the summer when it's quieter to light up a cigar and walk the quads with a hat on. They, they find me sometimes, but um, just walking around and enjoying it. I don't do it as much with the student body here. But, um, you, know, the, the, it, you know, when I walk around in the summers, I look and I go, my God, I've had 22 years. It doesn't happen. I've been very, very fortunate. I'm blessed and... Uh, you know, uh, but I'm very, very excited about this team and what they want to do, and I just want to make sure I'm prepared to help them. Coach, thank you very much. Best of luck this season. I miss you, Ange. Thank you. The great Mike Bray joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, and I think that quote about Marcus Freeman that he wanted his – he would have loved for his son to play. His son Kyle did play Division One football, uh, so the fact that he would want him to play for Marcus Freeman I think says a lot right there, but overall, you know, Mike's great. I always enjoy interviewing him. Yeah, a lot of great tidbits in there. I love his measuring it by six football coaches. That, was, yeah, that one was pretty great, too. but uh, I do think uh, in flipping it back to football, I mean, this guy knows a lot about coaching, and, and he's been through that recruiting process for his son, so yeah, to say something like he wants his son to play for Marcus Freeman, I think is a testament why Marcus had such a successful summer and and why recruiting is looking so good for Notre Dame and I think the comments about college athletics as a whole and the transfer portal and his perspective that maybe Notre Dame could be in a better position they're going to need to be in in all sports yeah because that thing is maybe more significant than NIL for Notre Dame's purposes I think they definitely will and that insight of uh, a guy like Coach Bray, who's been there for so long and can can provide that perspective when they do have a lot of new coaches, as you pointed out, uh, is really important for the program. All right. Support for Irish Sports Saturdays comes from Tony Letcher of Health Markets. Tony, a parishioner at Quinnipiac Catholic Church in Mishawaka and a licensed insurance agent. His services include Medicare, family or individual health insurance or life insurance. His number is 855-776-2438. His website is tletcher.com. Time for a break. When we return, it's our game day sprint to kickoff. We break down the matchup against you. UNLV, that's next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! It's always a tough feeling you're losing your house. You know, we take a lot of pride in where we are, the amount of workouts that we have in that stadium, the amount of workouts that we have on this campus. So we never want anybody to come in our house and tell us what's up. But it happens, you know, it's life. You win some, you lose some, but we know that we're just going to take the energy we feel now and just keep going with it and make sure it doesn't happen again. That's Notre Dame defensive lineman Nana Asafa Menza. Notre Dame struggles at home this season. Irish three worst performances have come at home, John, versus Marshall, Cal, and Stanford, who are their three worst opponents. Played well, obviously, against Ohio State, UNC, and BYU. So, why? <laughs> it just adds to the confusion around this team. They play against the, the good teams, they play better. And against the bad teams, they play worse. And on top of that, you're supposed to be better at home. There is a thing called home field advantage, and they have the opposite this season. It's just confusing. You know, some people were complaining about the fan base last week, uh, that they weren't into the game. And give them a reason to yeah. be. You're down 7 nothing out of the gate, and then you're playing horrifically. You, you were in the stands for this one. Uh, well, did they give you an opportunity the, to cheer? The thing is that the team has to get into the game before the fans well, can get into the game. Yeah. And I think that's the key problem with Notre Dame at home right now is that the, the team is, is taking the the fan base and the stadium on a roller coaster. And, you know, you think they're going to be in it early in that, that game. If you go back and watch it, you hear this, the fans getting into it on a couple of big plays. And then Notre Dame goes and they don't do anything for a while. And I think that really just fades the fans into the background. Marcus Freeman was kind of asked this week about, um, you know, do they got to evaluate the home day procedures, different things like that. It's not really that much different. I mean, we do a lot of the same things on the road as we do. Maybe they don't have the player walk. They don't have the mass right before. But 
it's it is remarkable that some people saying, well, maybe they should return to not having pregame mass. And it's like, guys, a 25 minute mass is not the reason why they're playing horrible at home. Let me point out. Brian Kelly took away mass in 2013. They weren't exactly good in 2013, Mm -hmm. 2014 or 2016. You know, yeah. at home or away, it didn't make a difference. So I don't think mass is the problem. Obviously, we're going to defend that here on the Catholic radio yeah, stations, Well, and the one but- thing I would say is every uh, national championship that Notre Dame has won or played in has been when they've done pregame mass at home. So oh, I don't yeah, know yeah. that that can really be the problem. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I like that one. <laughs> All right. UNLV, the opponent today. First time they've ever met. Um, I don't know. Is this... I? I can't say it's another trap game, but in a way, we're overlooking them, and you're thinking about how to correct it. But they're looking internally at themselves. Um, and one of those ways, John, they've been awful to start the games. Just no offensive rhythm. Marcus Freeman has talked about simplifying things, urgency. They've tried to simulate things in practice. Here's Tobias Mer- Merriweather and Logan Diggs. A lot of like focus on urgency. Get on the field. Like Once we hit those doors, running on the field, getting from every drill to drill, running. To, uh, to H drill, just having such urgency, get our job done. If you get started going, it's hard for a lot of teams to catch up because we run the ball so well. So when we get up 14-0, 21-0, and then we just start piling the ball, and you can't stop us from getting first downs, me, Audrey, Chris, then it's like you're playing catch up. So I think us starting extremely fast would continue to help us grow in the season. All right, that's Tobias Merriweather and Logan Diggs as Notre Dame trying to, to get off to a a fast start and it, it that starts with the coaching John because you got you got to you got to put them in position to succeed and make things easier maybe not stare at the sideline all every single play before you decide to call the play well and that's one conversation that's been happening too is they're playing with a, a really complicated offense and that's why you see guys like Tobias Merriweather not getting involved too much from the start of the season because it's just a lot to know and a lot to learn and those checks and and you see Patterson jumping on the first play and that's because he's the most experienced guy out there and that's just because they're checking so much and so you got to kind of think maybe we simplify things a little bit and just try and get bodies on bodies and move the ball downfield because really at this point they just need to get something going as those guys point out. Support for Irish Sports Saturdays comes from Tyrac. Tyrac also underwrites our internship program with students from our two Michiana Catholic high schools, St. Joseph and Marion. The students receive practical college-level internship experience and class credit as they help out with our broadcast of high school football and basketball. More tires, great prices, Tyrac.com. Irish defense versus UNLV offense again. We don't know if Doug Brumfield is going to play. He's they were four and one with him playing the majority of games since he got a concussion and an ankle injury. So we don't know which one's keeping him out. Uh, they've been blown out in consecutive games, uh, 40 to seven and 42 to seven to San Jose State and Air Force. He's a lefty. The backup is a righty in Cameron Friel. Um, and then their running back, Aiden Robbins, hurt his knee last week. Here's a guy who's averaging 84 yards per game and has eight touchdown runs. Their leading wide receivers are Ricky White and Kyle Williams. White has 33 catches. He's healthy. Kyle Williams, he's questionable for today, too. So they are banged up galore on their offense. Well, they have a lot uh, a lot of problems, but, again, that could just add to Notre Dame falling into another trap game. I well, mean, and not being sure who to prepare for. That adds to the difficulty, and that's something Marcus Freeman did talk about a little bit this week is you got to prepare for a righty and a lefty, and we talked about that. That's difficult. Not knowing who the running back's going to be, that can change things, and it's really you don't know – for them if they're going to rely on their running back whether it be uh robbins in the game or someone else or if they're going to try and go to the pass game and if white is in the game for them i mean i think i think the thing here is if all the good players do play and you prepared a lot for the backups that's where it can hurt you if the backups are playing my goodness you talk about there should be no issue it doesn't matter i mean this is the ultimate case of that all right let's go to the other side Look, you know the defense has given up 40 points in each of the last two weeks. Again, we said that about Stanford, so let's keep that in perspective. Here's the one thing I will point out. They forced 11 interceptions so far this year. So Notre Dame has been in the minus category in turnovers, and if all of a sudden they go like minus three, maybe this could be a game. But UNLV, Cameron Oliver is the guy that has done this the most. He's had three interceptions, two returns, for touchdowns 
Uh, John, what's your keys to the game? Uh, the, well, that's definitely one of them is don't turn the ball over. The offense has been starting slow. You've got to figure things out on offense and not turn the ball over because the first step in having a, a quick start on offense is not making a mistake and not turning the ball over. And then for defense, they got to just be prepared for whoever they're facing across the line. And it, look, it, it comes down to just playing hard, solid defense. All right, game prediction. I'm saying that, uh, you know, it's going to be another tough one for Notre Dame. The defense didn't know who to prepare for. The offense is still figuring things out. 24-13, Notre Dame still gets ooh, the win. Ooh, you're keeping it real close. Look, I think they'll <sighs> – They haven't given me a reason not yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. I And I'm similar. I go 31-13, Notre Dame. I just – until the offense – I mean, I don't know. I know they showed it against UNC, but I, I, I can't – They the problem, they should win 50-7, to seven, all right? They should. But I'm just going to say 31-13 and hedge my bets a little bit here, a little bit. By the way, game is on Peacock today. It is not on NBC. It is on Peacock. If you don't have Peacock, uh, well, if you have Comcast, you have Peacock. If you don't know if you have Peacock, ask a family member because they could tell you whether or not you have it or something like that. Now, if you don't have Peacock and you want to listen to the game and you can't watch it, John will be broadcasting the game. So, John, why don't you tell them how they can listen to it on uh, uh, Notre Dame uh, Student Radio? Yeah, I'll be broadcasting it for the Voice of the Fighting Irish. So that's wvfi.nd.edu. So you can visit that website, listen live. Me and a couple of other students that are uh, in broadcasting will be broadcasting that one. So that is free. You don't have to pay anything like you do for Peacock. So go to the website and you can listen to our Yeah, they may not want to pay for Peacock today. All right, that's (laughs) Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FC, where you bank does matter for Zach Smith and John Brock. I'm Angel DiCarlo, 2.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff. We'll be back with you next Saturday. We close our show where the Irish close their show in prayer. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary Our Lady, May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Spoke Street Media and Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Enjoy today's game. Isn't it amazing when we get to see God work in powerful ways? Multiple times recently, God has pulled me out of my comfortable Catholic bubble into the path of people with vastly different experiences. Through these encounters, I've learned that God is showing me how to accompany and evangelize his sons and daughters who are disengaged from the church. At Redeemer Radio and Spoke Street Media, God is doing the same. He is moving and calling us to incredible things in our ministry. Every investment you make helps us re-engage fallen away Catholics and reach seekers by researching needs in order to hone in on programming that speaks Christ into those needs. Your contributions also allow us to reach more people where they are consuming media every day. Here at Spoke Street Media, we create faithful Catholic content that affirms all listeners' dignity and points to Jesus who alone can satisfy the longings of every heart. God is always sending us a message of love. Together we can help more people hear it.